welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. I'm here with two members of my firefighting family. I've got Ash. Hey there. I've got Scott. Hey there, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> and myself, Todd. <laughs> uh, I guess we didn't even talk about any news. Do we have any news? Other than uh, we took a little bit of a break to just after Christmas and you guys had a meeting night and stuff. And Yeah, yeah, nothing really new new. Um, no major events in our close area. Um, maybe something popped up in Todd's mind there, but, uh, yeah, I got, got through Christmas, had a, a wicked, uh, New Year's Eve together, uh, got yep. our episode up there. So, um, had some pretty good comments coming f- from that. It's definitely going to be a, a two or three parter. So watch mm-hmm. for the rest of that, uh, Q and A to follow here in the near future. So actually one, uh, one thing that just, ha- just happened the other day, uh, which was actually a pretty good tie into our guests that we mm-hmm. have on. Um, is out in on the island, Comox Fire Department had a uh, had a fire with two fatals. Right. Unfortunately, uh, one was found outside, and then as they did the search, they found another person inside. Sure. Um, so on that note, you know, building resilience and how to how to deal with that and cope with that, right? Because sure. those types of events um, are very tragic and and very hard on all the first responders. That's right. Uh, they tend to build up. So, um, yeah, part of that is what do we do with our SISM teams and how do we debrief and how do we build that resilience, right? So mm-hmm. we're not, not just stacking it on our shoulders, right? Sure. We want to deal with it. So that leads us into our guest tonight is uh, Bill Dungey mm-hmm. from Six Feet, uh, sixfeet.ca. You can find him and uh, let's jump into it. Perfect. Hi, Bill. Welcome. Uh, thanks for calling in today with us. Why don't you uh, take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Uh, so first of all, thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak on your podcast, especially all the way across Canada. Through the magic of technology, we made it happen. Uh, my name is uh, Bill Dungey. I'm a volunteer firefighter uh, out in County of Brant, Ontario, and I am the founder of a not-for-profit called Six Feet. Uh, Six Feet is a organization that stands to bring actionable resilience skills to first responders. That's something that I'm uh, really super passionate about because uh, during, I'll just give you a brief synopsis here, but uh, during my recruit process, which was uh, uh, relatively, sorry, during my recruit process, which uh, didn't happen too long ago, is what I meant to say there. Uh, you know, my son would say that I'm two and a half years old, just to make myself sound a little bit older, um, as far as the fire service goes. But we, uh, you know, weren't given a whole heck of a lot of uh, tools in our toolbox, so to speak, when it comes to interacting with traumatic scenes. And uh, to no fault of our department or the fire service at large, it's kind of a new topic that people are covering. And uh, luckily enough, I come from the world of social work. Uh, before I was working in IT as my day job, I was a social service worker. So gotcha. I went out and uh, had a, uh, a call with a plane crash very, very early into my career with the fire department and, uh, you know, realized out of that, that, oh, this is like dealing and interacting with trauma. So uh, I came to go take the Resilient Minds Trainer Program from the 
uh, Canadian Association of Mental Health and uh, brought that through to the county. I'm super, super excited about it. But, uh, you know, that's pretty much where I come from. This is a thing that uh, I've taken to very personally, and I'm interested in cementing formal resilience training as deeply as I can into the Canadian Fire Service. That's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's actually a topic that we talk about uh, fairly frequently. Yeah. Um, and it's... Uh, as you as you know, in the emergency services in general, uh, in the past, it was never something that was really brought to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting better at it now. The emergency services, there's more. Um, oh, I guess there's, there's more information out there, and it's, the, the stigma isn't as bad as it was with it. Sure. Um, because us as individuals, you know, we never really would talk about it. We were always afraid to talk about. It. Now that the the catchphrase in our service is. You know, don't go at it alone, right? Right. No, don't be afraid to speak up because you're not alone. We got a family of us. Yeah. Meaning the whole emergency services. Sure. You know, uh, I I can speak to it personally, right? So like after uh, we had this plane crash call, we spun up SISM. We're lucky we're lucky enough to have a SISM team with our department, and we did the whole debriefing thing, and then there was this like time warp where there was about 45 minutes after that debriefing and we you know also hung around the station for a coffee kind of thing and then i kind of like woke up um reading harry potter to my kid putting him to bed that night and you know social worker bill was like oh this is literally interacting with trauma i've just had this time warp effect and uh it you know, pretty much directly after that is when I started really honing in on this kind of thing. As uh, you say about the stigma, it's not necessarily that you can't talk about it or that people won't listen or anything, but it's still, you know, it maybe feels weird for people to bring into that circle, like, hey, this was a rough one for me. But it's like I told my chief when we did the whole debriefing thing, he's, you know, we go around, you know, how did you feel about the situation as it played out or whatever? And I said, scary questions get scary answers. This is the first time I've dealt with this kind of thing, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. We've got a lot of avenues that we can go down when it comes to, you know, dealing with trauma. There is a lot of support, but, you know, I, I can't speak for anybody else's departments, but... You know, coming up in ours locally here, it was a very mixed bag of new firefighters, very, very seasoned firefighters, and trying to find your place, and everybody has a different way of dealing with it. So sure. getting that, that kind of confidence in the moment to speak up and to deal with things in your own way, um, I think that's still our, like, the biggest kind of stigma. Like when you've got the old grizzled firefighter that came up being kind of told to choke everything down feelings aren't real and you know you don't need to deal with this and then you got the fresh fresh young firefighter that is much more in touch with you know dealing with not necessarily trauma but just going through the motions so i mean i kind of find myself kind of right in the middle um trying to hang on to being a younger a younger firefighter but i mean realistically we're kind of the the older boys now we're not like the retirees by any mind but 
but uh, being being kind of in the leadership in the you know we're definitely not out of high school we're not out of college we're you know families and you know careers and blah 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 so uh, leadership in that matter also comes down to uh, leading in a room like that and being able to open up being able to speak up and um, kind of share that trauma with uh, others around and showing that it's okay to do so you know, I think uh, specifically in the volunteer world, we have an additional challenge, right? Because, like, it's one thing to be able to, to, you know, step off the line and speak up or whatever, but sometimes there's not a whole heck of a lot of time to do that. Mm-hmm. Because everybody, you know, the, the transition that I've been using is from firefighter to father and back again, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, the pager goes off, I rush out the door, I go deal with something, and then I come home and, you know, I still got to make dinner. Sure. Yeah, that's right. You know, so there's like that additional layer, I think, for uh, for volunteers, which is uh, specifically what drew me toward that Resilient Minds program, which was born out of data that was taken in BC, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's where the, the program was developed, was out in BC. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, specifically, it's because it's a peer-driven model, right? I can't speak highly enough about this thing, and I haven't even taught it yet. <laughs> but just like having gone through the training, their whole their whole approach here is: listen, we're not going to bring you know some mental health worker in here that nobody knows and nobody trusts. This is somebody who's inside the circle already. Sure. that's going to step up in front of the class and guide everybody through this kind of thing. That's what I really like about that approach, but you know, certainly just another tool in the tool belt. Yeah, I know you nailed it there. I think like with my own past experiences uh, within the fire service and EMS <clears throat> is, you know, I remember a couple of big, big instances we went to and we were kind of told, oh, we're having a debriefing, you guys are coming in. And to that, that was right. a big step because before it was just, our dispatch asking us, hey, can you clear? We got calls holding, giddy up, get going. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> suck it up and go. Um, but I remember that first debriefing I ever went to, um, it was some manager <clears throat> that none of us were close to. We, we didn't know a thing. It was so awkward and uncomfortable. Sure. Um, nobody after that wanted to do, actually attend another debriefing if it was offered. Right. right. Um, but now with our service, um, <clears throat> I'm lucky enough, I'm, a, I'm actually a SISM peer. Um, for the BCEHS, the British Columbia Ambulance Emergency Health Service, um, and also part of our SISM team on the fire hall. And being a peer with that peer training, um, like you said, Bill, it's, it's having that familiar face within that group. It just, it really helps you relate and it's easier to, a little bit easier to open up. Yeah, certainly. Uh, you know, and just the thing that underpins this, I just, I'm, you know, kind of writing some notes here as we're talking. Uh, and just maybe to translate to this to you guys, uh, especially, you know, across the country, I'll hit it from this side, you guys hit it from that side, okay, we'll meet up at somewhere in Alberta, <laughs> but um, the, the one thing I've been having uh, maybe some preliminary success with as far as the messaging with this kind of thing goes, okay, uh, first of all, I just had a great conversation uh, last week with a, a guy from an organization called uh, Frontline Forward here in Ontario. He's got this really unique, uh, kind of like a gym, but there's also like massage therapists and social workers, and it's like an all-inclusive mental health and wellness facility for first responders. And he asked, he's like, uh, what's the problem 
with getting people to come out to anything to do with mental health and wellness and not like a hands-on training event for throwing ladders. And it's the messaging, right? As soon as we say um, mental health, you, you get like, I don't know what it is, but let's say like 33% of the people out there just automatically shut off. I don't want anything to do with it. That's okay. right. So... The way that uh, I've been framing this when I'm either talking to people like yourselves or my department or certainly anything I'm doing online with uh, the website and social media and whatever, I've been framing this under operational readiness, okay? Like your air quote here, full spectrum responder, right? Like, because we all know guys who like to get after it in the gym or guys who are out there running or guys who are out there throwing ladders and moving hose, right? These are all core skills. So I'm trying to, to, to reference this or frame this, uh, this, you know, say actionable resilience tools as a core skill. Okay, so uh, I'll give you a, um, an example here. So before uh, the whole resilient minds thing uh, kind of boils from the bottom, as Aaron Fields would say, <clears throat> Uh, I was lucky enough to be admitted as uh, one of the instructors for our recruit program. I went and took the Instructor One program, and uh, I also uh, became a peer fitness trainer through the IFF. So uh, I'm trying to hit this thing uh, with our recruits because I figured ah, this is where we can, you know, reshape and redefine what's going on here as people are coming through the door. So here's an actionable resilience tool for you. And uh, I know that, you know, every time I say those three words in combination or in series, it becomes more and more like a, like a weird LinkedIn motto thing. <laughs> but it's the best way that, like, I can, uh, that I can talk about it. So uh, when I brought our recruits to the uh, uh, burn building, it wasn't just me, of course, there was the whole cadre of instructors make it sound like I'm driving the bus here, but um, the one thing that uh, I would underpin that sort of uh, training that has a lot of stress inoculation in it is, you know, anytime we're going to talk about breathing or breath work, it's easier to digest if we call it tactical breathing, you know? Yeah. So um, there's a breathing technique called the physiological sigh, Okay. So what happens is uh, you take two big, huge inhales with your nose, so much so that you can feel your lungs inside your chest expanding. And uh, what that does is it offsets the gas exchange inside your lungs so that when you completely exhale, that process triggers your brain the same way that your brain is triggered if you're crying, for example, that's the way that you breathe when you cry. And it's the way that you breathe right before you fall asleep. So if you do that, two big inhales followed by one continuous exhale, your brain basically doesn't have a choice. You start calming down. Okay, so I would uh, tell our recruits about this before you go into uh, the live fire situation or when you're getting off the truck, every just make it a, a habit. Every time you get off the truck, run two or three repetitions of this breath, and then before you go interact with whatever you're interacting with, 
you'll be in a calmer state, calmer baseline. You know, so like that's, I'm not talking about like, uh, you know, uh, once monthly briefing from HR or a pamphlet <laughs> that you could leave on the countertop as a tool for resiliency. I mean, stuff that we can like inject into the training we're already doing. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, the pamphlets on the table never get taken. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point, you know. Like, um, uh, I've talked a little bit about that with some of our members and stuff as well, and I'm pretty sure you guys have. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we personally all kind of use that same um, style in leadership as well. Mm. Um, you know, that, that uh, you know, stopping, taking a step back, detaching, mm-hmm. taking deep breath, and then starting your action plan of what's important now, right? And that's mm-hmm. setting yourself up, calming yourself down, and being a bit more aware. Right. Well, I'll give you a, here's the one-to-one, like, uh, in terms of uh, personal experience, right? So uh, I just got through my Pump Ops course, and a uh, daytime call, and I'm one of the guys who can make a lot of daytime calls because uh, I work from home primarily. So... Uh, we get out there and we hear on the way that it's one vehicle collision, no entrapment, it's all good. So we're, you know, going to hop on the truck and basically wait to be called off kind of thing. Right. And uh, uh, I got put into the driver's seat because this would be a good opportunity to drive lights and sirens and the whole commotion of it. And sure enough, as we get onto the road, it now turns into three vehicles, one's on fire. (laughs) So, you know, I have this like, oh my God, do I remember how to run the pump? (laughs) You know, and like, I have to know for sure what things to do. So anyways, um, we got out there and uh, it had been uh, actually resolved by a good Samaritan. Uh, Pulled his work truck over and put the fire out with a fire extinguisher. Mm -hmm. And... um, uh, we had to get the pump running nonetheless to spray all the debris off the road and whatnot. Um, but still, when I uh, jumped off the truck, you know, to take that, you know, as you say, 25, 30 seconds and just do a couple repetitions of that uh, breath to get my baseline back and then be like, okay, I am now out of IT mind and I am now in firefighter mind and I can run the pump. Yeah, that's right. That's that's super important. You know, just actually while yeah. you're talking about that, I was thinking back of our of uh, our big wildfire that you guys had. That yeah, my department got called up for mutual aid. And same thing, driving up to it, all we saw was this massive column of smoke, and we're already listening to the comms and hearing all the chaos going on. Organized chaos, might I say? Um, <laughs> sure. But uh, and then as we come up, there's bombers <coughs> dropping, and and uh, you know there's fire on both sides of the road, and you know I was the truck officer. And that's all I did. I just took a few deep breaths. Mm-hmm. The crew asked some questions, asked some questions. Where do I park? Where do I keep going? So I just paused. Yep. Gave them some short direction. Okay, everybody take a, take a couple of breaths. We're going to talk about our action plan. Yeah. And then everybody, in the, it just set the bar in the truck. Mm-hmm. Everybody was calmer uh, as we got off. We kind of did the same and mm-hmm. then jumped into our tasks. And by doing that, you can, like you said, really reset your focus. Sure. Right. Right. And you know, um, another thing that like, you know, kind of pops into my brain here, because uh, the, the, the way that I like to define resiliency is, uh, 
I can be a bit of a storyteller sometimes. So like I, I like to think that we're like on top of our castle walls, right? And we're surveying the land and out there in the distance, we've got this clan of barbarians and they're coming. Like no matter what you do, that's, that's what's up. They're coming. Um, but the benefit here is that we have time before they reach us. So we have time to build our wall. So, you know, the tools that we put in place are like those bricks that we use and, uh, using, you know, your example where you're going to head out to, you know, the rock show, so to speak. And you have to take those couple moments to bring yourself down to that baseline we're talking about. There's something else, you know, that uh, parallels that. And it's the, the ability to be able to, uh, I would say, harden yourself against the work itself. Right. So it's after you've come down to baseline and if you guys are talking about a wildfire or whatnot, you're going to, you know, start chopping up this line or like just the amount of work that might need done. There's, there's something to be said, I think about being resilient against the work itself as well. Not just, um, uh, not just trauma, capital T trauma, you know, but against the, the, the grit required to do all of that. And I, I think that's one of the things we're out here trying to promote as well. Um, this idea that, you know, the, the job we're called upon, people expect us to, that, and that's the word that I've been using is that people have an expectation of capital F firefighters that, you are resilient enough against what needs to be done that you can do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something our departments, we've really tried steering that well for, for a while now. Yeah. Uh, especially you guys are really good with your, the way you guys have your training set up, Ash and Scott, mm -hmm. with um, the, the, like the high fidelity sims and that right. um, stress inoculation that you talk about, Scott. <clears throat> yeah, I think we try <clears throat> Sorry. I think we try to um, we try to make it the hardest training or the training should be as hard or harder than the actual call, and I think that yeah. that's what prepares guys. Um, you know, mm -hmm. there's a, the martial arts saying you should have your best fight in the dojo. So you know, uh, that's kind of the idea of, of what we do on the fire ground, right? We we have our best mm -hmm. our best fires or our best um, our hardest tr uh, fires on the training ground. Yeah. And then when we when it when it's real, it's like oh, this is actually pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that, I mean, that's, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a perfect crossover. I mean, I come from the world of uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, <laughs> you know, I'm always saying to people on the mats that the mats are where we practice hard feelings so we know what to do with them in real life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Scott's, uh, Scott's Jiu-Jitsu as well. So he's, uh, I'll pass that one over to you. You guys can talk. <laughs> I've, I've had him beat me up and it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, one of the wonderful things about uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is that you can train at 100%. Yeah. Like that hard, uh, you know, fire ground training that you're setting up, you can make it as hard as possible. Well, I mean, you can like nearly have death matches in Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Yeah, that the whole getting comfortable being uncomfortable thing is is it, it perfectly crosses over to the firefighting because you know you're getting crushed under a under a guy. 
mm-hmm. and you're just calm and breathe. And then you, then the next day you're on, you're on the fire ground and you're, you know, you're in, you're in pure black and you got this SCBA on and you're trying to lug a hose and you just breathe through it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean like, it, you know, jujitsu is the only thing that gets me to that place where, you know, I get that, uh, that part of my brain just going like, okay, make it stop, 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 stop. And you have to fight that actively. You know, somebody like crams your head into their gi and it's all sweaty and gross in there. Yeah. It's the only thing that gets me there uh, besides, you know, really active fire calls where I can feel all those butterflies and all the, the sensations that, you know, fight, flight or freeze type of thing. Yeah. You know, one thing uh, we're working on uh, right now is... Uh, later on this year, in September, we're going to be hosting a conference down here uh, toward, uh, you know, not only, uh, quote, using my LinkedIn phrase here again, bringing actionable tools, uh, resilience tools to first responders, but also, you know, we meet all these different people out there who are doing all this great work, but it's almost like they're doing it in silos, and there's no, like, common place for everybody to come and glue each other together type of thing. Um, but at that conference, uh, I'm going to be hosting a jiu-jitsu seminar where we're going to work through the U.S. Army's big four tools for um, mental resiliency, which are tactical breathing, goal setting, positive self-talk, and mental rehearsal, uh, framed in a jiu-jitsu technique called a guard break, right? So you've got somebody trying to hold you down, and I'm going to instruct basically a whole bunch of newbies on how to do a guard break while using that that system that the U.S. Army developed uh, to explain some, uh, you know, real-world principles they could bring back to the fire hall kind of thing. Hmm. Oh, great. So that's coming up this summer out in your area? Yeah. Um, in September of this year, we're going to host it here in Brantford, Ontario. And, um, yeah, actually, last week... Uh, we just got confirmation that the uh, CMHA is going to partner with us on that. So I'm super, super excited about that because I'm a nobody. And I, you know, just through unsolicited emails, uh, found the right people in that organization that, you know, want to come out and uh, participate. So I'm super excited about that. Oh, very cool. So is that going to be like, uh, <clears throat> like, uh, like, are you guys canvassing out to all the kind of the neighboring um, uh, emergency services as well, or is it just for fire departments, or what's kind of your goal? Yeah, so uh, the word that I've been using is uh, first responders and adjacent communities. Okay, so this type of uh, information I could see being valuable to obviously like military people, but uh, as well retirees who sometimes, you know, nobody really likes to talk about it, but sometimes they get kind of left, you know, once they've retired and have disconnected from the, the, the goings on and the day to day of the station life. Um, but as well, like frontline health workers, nurses, I can't think of anything better for the nurses who made it all the way through COVID than to get out there and discuss some real world ways they can, you know, toughen up the, the mindset kind of thing. So yeah, uh, not only our department, but uh, uh, the local Ontario Provincial Police and 
uh, cop shops, and I'm just trying to get everybody involved. Anybody I can uh, who will respond, as I say, to a unsolicited email. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that sounds great. Yeah, I think any any of that kind of combined um, awareness and training is is super beneficial for for all parties involved. Like you said, retirees, um, even even spouses of first responders. It's it's all important. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have, uh, I mean, like I've done some uh, event planning in my day, but certainly nothing at this scale. So I'm just, uh, you know, figuring it out one punch at a time. And I keep uh, referencing future Bill, you know, and future Bill is going to have a bunch of different problems to solve out there. <laughs> but one of those problems is uh, organizing people to come and actually present at this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't have um, anything firmed up with anybody quite yet Uh, but uh, one guy on Instagram that I found who uh, offered uh, you know basically like a discount on his regular speaking fees or whatever because it's uh, affiliated with first responder communities this guy named Yogi Brian and you know anytime you mention yoga people have the same like nail curling reaction that they do to the words mental health but I love this guy you gotta look him up on Instagram even if he doesn't come through and we don't end up booking him whatever he just popped into my mind when I was thinking about uh, presenters Uh, he's got uh, a curse word infused way of communicating <laughs> that might attract it's more awesome. responders yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's awesome as soon as i found them um i don't know like i i don't know how you guys handle cursing on the show are we allowed to curse oh you got yeah we are oh, explicit yes. lyrics mark i'm scrolling through instagram and it's like this picture of like a little you know, a, a little corner of his studio or whatever. He's got this little pad that he would sit on. Imagine like your typical yoga setting and he like, you know, 360 jump turns into scene all of a sudden. And he's like, sit down, fuckers. We're going to talk about breathing. <laughs> I, was like, I was just like, who is this guy? <laughs> like instant subscribe. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a buy-in, I think. Yeah. I think so. You know, it, and it's funny you mentioned that, like, um, like I'm fairly new to the, the SISM program just in the past couple of years I've started, I got involved with our service and stuff, but with it as well was all this, um, you know, meditation and techniques they want people to try and yoga. And I'm still very old school and grumpy and I just, <laughs> I don't like change to a degree. And, uh, but a lot of people and a lot of my friends are doing it. I have yet to try <clears throat> because probably cause I don't want that whole other experience but that guy now I'd probably try that right yeah usually yoga starts with a, like a bell and a, and a namaste and a... <laughs> you don't want to send me in yoga pants I'm sorry <laughs> right right so okay so I'll, I'll give you my uh, I will vouch personally for um, yoga you have to determine like what flavor of yoga you want um, you know so I can get down sometimes, like a Sunday morning, I can get down with some namaste. Um, But then there's other times definitely where, like, look, bro, I just need to stretch, okay? (laughs) So it 
depends on who you're looking for, but for real, um, that guy's name's Yogi Brian, and uh, he's on Instagram. I think he's on TikTok, but I don't have TikTok. So he's uh, definitely on Instagram, and if you're just looking for something to try, I'd at least reach out to that guy. Man, it's it's easy to get in there when he's talking to you like that, you know? <laughs> for sure. Right on. What would you say, Bill, um, like in the next kind of, I don't know, three to five years with six feet? Any any <clears throat> big uh, big plans or where, where would you like to see yourself go with it? You know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> I was just uh, discussing this with, uh, you need three directors to start a nonprofit in Canada, okay? So I have uh, my two buddies. They're uh, both police officers, and they're my other two directors. And uh, <laughs> we think it's really cool that we're directors. <laughs> but um, anyways, I was saying to these guys, it's like for the first time ever, okay? You know, my wife basically grew up basically saying, I'm going to be a teacher. And she just grew up into a teacher. She just knew that. And until really, really recently, I had a hard time like defining a three to five year plan. Um, but here's what we're going to do. Okay, so year one, this conference, I just want to make this thing fire. I want it to exist. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, year two, I'd like to attach a some sort of a long form endurance event to it uh, because uh, I'm very acutely uh, bound to the suffering that happens on really long ruck marches or really long runs. I think it's really, really good for you. Uh, So year two, I'd like to append something like that. But uh, three to five, okay, imagine that I'm sitting at your table right now and I've got my hands up in the sky and I spread them apart to show you my grand vision. Six feet is going to have a compound. And that's maybe a little bit of an aggressive word, but it's going to be a compound. (laughs) Uh, I'd love to see, you know, three to five years from now, we have a fully functioning MMA gym. And, you know, I keep saying like mats, a kitchen, a classroom, and a shoot house. I'd love to see uh, a facility on a little bit of land where we could be practicing all kinds of combatives maybe host a retreat, something like that. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, building out a, a plan or a vision for the future, I don't know if you guys are uh, uh, attuned to Jordan Peterson at all, mm-hmm. but he, he has a really great way of um, making sure that you're aimed correctly. And he says uh, that you should aim at the highest possible good. And that looks something like conducting yourself in such a way that it's good for you, but also good for your family. And it starts to extrapolate from there, right? Could you aim at something that was good for you and your family, but was also good for your community? And let's say you could aim so high that whatever it is you're working toward was good for you and your family and your community, and maybe even the country, and maybe even good enough for the country in such a way that it could impact history. And 
you know, I'm kind of naive enough to believe that. <laughs> Foolish enough to believe it. Oh, awesome. No, that sounds great. Yeah, you definitely have a lot of a lot of great goals there. And, you know, they honestly sound very achievable. You know, the direction that you're going, um, I think that's where, where all first responders need to have that mindset and kind of go that way. And having somebody like yourself with what you've been doing is really going to help. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, it's kind of an interesting place to be when you uh, are a volunteer firefighter, especially, I think, because you, you know, like we can go three weeks without a call. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, just this last week, there was two days where I was out twice. And there's other stations in our county that are out four or five times a day. You know, so I think it's kind of an interesting uh, place for a volunteer firefighter to be because you get a little bit of extra time to consider things, right? And to consider, oh, here's the, I I think the thing that like lit my fuse, right? Our first day in the uh, recruit academy for our department, uh, we were shown a FDIC video from Mike Dugan, right? And he says... Uh, you could leave the fire service better for your having been a part of it, right? And it's almost like, and maybe I'm being a little bit grandiose here, but it's almost like he was kind of giving me permission to drive forward with the tenacity that I'm running with right now. Because it was like, he's like, yeah, you're new, but you can, you, your effort, your, the effort that you put forward can leave the fire service as a whole better for your having been a part of it. And you're like, oh, well, this like OG of the fire service globally has just let us all know that hey, like, you can push it forward here. You can, you know? Mm -hmm. I just think that's a powerful idea. Yeah, it's a lot different than the old days, the old Uh school. Um, I remember we always joke when, when, uh, I think when Ash was hired too. Yeah. Um, We had an older, an older member who literally would tell us when we'd get hired. (laughs) This is a quote. You're fucking useless for the first five years, so be quiet. <laughs> and we're like, oh. Okay. I mean, there's something to be said there too, right? Like, you know, the, these two copper buddies of mine who uh, uh, started six feet with me, uh, when I first got on, they're both, you know, uh, 10 years in a piece, and they were both real quick to say, hey, you don't have anything valuable to say. So right now is not the time to talk. <laughs> Right. But I think, you know, there's like something about that too, right? There's conversations that can be had about, you know, and, and that are had about how this some I've been thinking about recently, how can you position yourself to be the best possible new guy that you can be? Mm-hmm. Right. Like when I first got, uh, first got hired on, I had to go pick up my uniform from a local, uh, um, like tactical outfitter kind of thing. They do all the sewing for our patches. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I said, which station I was on, 
the guy came right back immediately and was like, oh, Emma works there, and Emma's a great firefighter. And so I went, oh, what do I have to do to make it so when the next, you know, four or five years from now, a guy comes through here and gets his shirt, they say, Bill works there, and Bill's a great firefighter. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, so then, of course, pretty much, I'm just like this little duckling behind Emma trying to figure out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how to make myself more like Emma. But uh, that's definitely the way that I approached it, you know, in terms of uh, how to be a new guy. We, what, uh, as a new guy, I'm, you know, still uh, super duper fresh to a bunch of dudes who aren't. What would you guys say makes up a good new guy? How do you be a good new guy? So I was actually about to say something before you started speaking and it was exactly this. So like Scott said, we got the speech of you're fucking useless. <laughs> shut up. Where, I mean that, I kind of took that like, well, fuck you. No, I'm not. Like I bring a ton of yeah. shit to the table. It just doesn't necessarily have to be firefighting, yeah. but I was new. So I shut up. <laughs> and then now, luckily after all of these years, I, I'm an officer. We all are captains. Um, we look after uh, the uh, recruit, uh, you know, process or whatever. And one of the things that I say to them, I actually tell that story every time that we have new uh, recruits come in, and we all laugh. And I say, "There's a bit of truth in that." So yes, you are coming in. You are quote useless, but you're not useless. Every new recruit comes in with that toolbox half full. And that half full toolbox has nothing to do with firefighting. So everybody has personal life experiences, whether it's from their regular life experience, whether it's from work or whatever it might be that can be implemented in training and implemented in the fire ground. So speaking up, if you see something, if you think of something, so the best advice that I give for a new firefighter is to shut up when you're being spoken to listen to it, but never hesitate to reach back and grab from your own personal experiences and your own personal expertise, because that might have something very you know, beneficial that can impact the fire service and your department and your training. So again, like it's that shut up, but also you are better than you think you are and you know more than you think you, all, you already know. Um, so kind of juggling that, that, that two-sided coin there where you don't know what you don't know, but we don't know what you do know. <laughs> so, you know, being, being able to get that in, in information out to us as your instructor, as your officer, um, is very, very important. Um, because I don't come from a construction background, but somebody we recently hired did. Like, they are far better at anything to do with construction. Like, I can quote NFPA stuff, but that guy knows it from top to bottom because he works it every, sing every single day. I know way, way more about mechanical than that gentleman ever will. Uh, so, like, where my previous skill set goes, you know, forward, that gentleman's lacking. Where his is way, way far and above mine. Um, so we're just growing that team. So really preaching that team aspect and yes, shut up, but also never hesitate to say something when the moment's right. Interesting. That's a, that's quite a dichotomy, right? Mm -hmm. And it also, there's like a shared responsibility there too, right? Cause yeah. you're saying 
that not only is it the responsibility of the new guy to know when not to speak, but there's a responsibility on the part of everyone else to create a culture where, you know, the new guy, when he does decide to speak up, mm-hmm. can be accepted. That's right. There, there's you definitely know? value in everybody. So, right. I, and I think that's the great thing about the, the volunteer service, mm-hmm. uh, more so even than the, the full-time guys. Because really after, you know, after 10 years of being on a full-time department, from what I see, is everybody's kind of now similar. Because right. they've had the same job for 10 years. They've worked together. Um, it's been firefighting. Um, yeah, the odd guy does construction or something on the side. Yeah. Um, but generally it's firefighting. Um, whereas with us, um, you know, I'm with the sheriff's office on, uh, and that's my full-time job. Um, Ash is, uh, is an auto body, uh, autom- um, automotive, automotive uh, mm-hmm. um, shop. Um, Todd does paramedics. We all have our, our hat we can put on on the fire ground. Um, that's that's different, and mm-hmm. so even with the new guy, like like Ash is saying, the new guy has, has certain skill sets that we bring on, and uh, we encourage them in some ways to to bring those out on fire ground, like like you're saying, you know, construction wise. I remember I almost got <laughs> there was this there's this hotel fire we were at, and I'm sitting there, and the one guy comes up to me and goes, "Hey, that parapet wall is about to collapse," and I'm fairly new. I'm like, "What's a parapet wall?" <laughs> and he's like, "That thing there." <laughs> he points at it. And I'm like, "Oh." I take a step back and literally within like three minutes, the whole, the whole front of the, the parapet collapses right where I would have been standing. Um, and you know, he was, he wasn't a new guy, but, he, but his, his experience as a construction uh, person, uh, that's what, that's what told him that's what was about to happen. You know, all the other officers on the fire ground didn't really notice it because that's not their, their thing. They're worried about the fire. They're worried about this. He, you know, he realized what was about to happen and he, and he made it known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think for me, it's, uh, it's very similar. Um, and I, I've, I've always been very big in, um, you know, you're, ne- you're never too old or too new to, to keep learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell a lot of our new recruits um, in both my jobs that, you know, like I can learn something from them just as much as they can learn from me. Sure. Um, you know, never go into a day or a shift or a call thinking that, oh, I already know all this. I'm fine, you know, mm-hmm. and not ask for suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for prime example, in the EMS world, you know, if I have a sick patient and I'm going down a, a, a path with, with it for my treatment plan, uh, I'm going to open it up to my partner or the other medics there. Hey, guys, anything you can think of that I'm missing that we need to do or we haven't done, you know, have that conversation. Don't be too proud to think that, you know, I know it all. and I'm not going to ask for help. Sure. And also um, for new people, you know, don't be afraid to speak up and ask questions. Yeah. Um, don't, I, I hate seeing um, groups of, of individuals in the services where, you know, the mentality is like, oh, I'm not going to ask any questions because they're a, it's a senior person I'm talking to and, or I don't want to ask a stupid question. Right. Um, everybody always has something to learn. Right. And I think, you know, there's uh, the capital C culture, right, keeps popping in my brain about like, you know, You'd hate to see somebody come forward with a question and get burned down once. That's right. And that's probably the last question they're going to ask. That's right. Yeah. You know, uh, when I uh, uh, first started, our station hosted a open house during the hiring process where basically the last batch of people came through and we kind of talked to a couple different firefighters and some of the leadership. And, you know, I guess they were just weighing out 
who's in front of them and who they think might be a good fit. And uh, I was an IT guy in a room full of either professional firefighters or people who had already had pre-service and all this. You know, when I left that open house, uh, I actually called my mom and I was like, well, that's a wrap. Like that's, <laughs> that was a room full of firefighters and Bill the IT guy. You know, so when they finally called and said that, you know, we'd like to have you, first of all, I was just floored and shocked that uh, they would take a chance on me. I feel that way. I feel that I've been given a chance. And um, the I guess the joke of it comes with, you know, eventually the county's going to have to get tablets, so I'm really just a strategic hire. <laughs> all those tablets come out, you know. <laughs> Oh man, awesome, um, Bill. I want to ask uh, one kind of final question as we head towards a wrap here. Um, is there? Let me think here. Um, oh, I lost it. <laughs> totally gone. <laughs> <laughs> Disappeared. I, I was actually going to ask you a question. Where, where does six yeah, feet she... come from? I'm sorry. What was that? Where does this? Where does the term six feet come from? I, I'm guessing it's something to do with being underground but <laughs> it's like you wanted to say it's six mm-hmm. feet underground but that's is that, is that the term is that why you're using that or oh uh well in uh, march of 2020 the whole world shut down including our jiu-jitsu gym uh so i went and bought some puzzle mats and put them in my basement and we had like a you know closed group of three or four of us who would continue training uh once we figured out that this wasn't going to turn everybody into zombies or something. And, uh, uh, so yeah, it's uh, six feet under the ground, literally in my basement is where it all started. And, uh, it's also kind of like a memento mori thing. Uh, you know, like use your time value or use your time accordingly because, uh, it's all finite and it's all running out, you know? So yeah. And it kind of stuck because, uh, I'm kind of like a branding guy. I just like working on, logos and uh branding ideas so once we started to spin that out and you know i put the six inside a coffin i was like oh that's badass <laughs> and uh <laughs> it's just kind of spun out from there with like reapers and all sorts of uh undead sort of things so mm-hmm. it's stuck definitely stuck right awesome uh, all right i remember my question Perfect. <laughs> um what advice would you have um uh, to other departments or firefighters that don't quite have the knowledge or framework around building that kind of resilience within their department, uh, how to get something started for kind of with your background, what you've done. Sure. Uh, I was given uh, two very valuable uh, phrases by uh, Ben, one of our directors. he uh, said it took uh, it took me probably five or six months to get the Resilient Minds program by the time I went through the chain of command and uh, talked to everybody I needed to talk to. And what that process looks like is literally just being relentless. Uh, when I'm teaching jiu-jitsu, I say that uh, relentless force is unstoppable by, def- by definition. You know, so if you're relentless on the mats, it means you're always attacking and nobody can defend that forever. So if you're trying to start a program, you have to be relentless. If you're trying to start anything, you need to be relentless. And I'd argue further than that, that when people call us 
They expect us to be relentless. They desperately wish we'd be relentless. You know, no quit. So uh, I'm one of the lucky people that uh, if I have 15 conversations, 14 of them turn out to be people hanging up on me and telling me it's not worth my time or whatever, uh, in whatever negative light, if I get one person that says, yep, we'll do it, that charges me right up. And uh, it's just lucky that my personality worked out like that. But the other thing that uh, Ben told me, you know, this uh, past fall, I went up to Ottawa to speak at the uh, uh, Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs Conference. And uh, I got to tell you, like imposter syndrome is the lowest version of what I was feeling uh, going out there. Because I was like, I am not the guy to be talking to these people <laughs> about anything, right? And Ben just sent me a text message the morning of my presentation and said, what if you're great? You know, and sometimes uh, I think it's easy for, especially if you're really passionate about something and the people in your immediate vicinity are not that passionate, it's kind of easy to get hung up on that and be like, well, you know, maybe this isn't a big deal. But I think as long as you're strategic in the way that you're going about it, like being the super loud guy and being, you know, entitled, I guess, about the way you're approaching people. Because I, I, could, I could see how somebody wanting to start something would be like, well, I really believe this, so you should really believe this. Mm. And um, I, I can see how that wouldn't go very well. So as long as you're being strategic about the way that you're approaching it, um, and I know that's really vague, but it's like after midnight around here, so that's what you're getting <laughs> from me. <laughs> but... Uh, I think as, as long as you've got that aiming at the highest possible good, you'll be aimed correctly. And uh, uh, it's just little tiny, tiny victories. You have to pull the winds correctly because otherwise, it's, it's like trying to start this uh, conference, right? I, I talked to, if you've ever published anything about mental health in first responder circles, I've emailed you. And the vast majority of people either just ghost me or don't get back to me or whatever. But there's a handful of people that do, and that fires me right up. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. We need more people like you out there doing that stuff. That's Absolutely. awesome. Um, finally, just uh, for any of our listeners, um, just to make sure they can contact you, where can they find you? Yes, yeah, so if you go to uh, sixfeet.ca, uh, that's our main website and that's where uh, I post uh, all kinds of writing on uh, operational readiness and things like building mental toughness and uh, arguing for the people that call us. You can find me on uh, Instagram at 6foxtrot spelled as it sounds S-I-X-F-O-X-T-R-O-T and if you look up six feet on youtube i'm trying my best to get some stuff out there but there's only so many hours in the day you know yeah, <laughs> yeah i hear you awesome well thank you very much bill i really appreciate it
Mm-hmm. Uh, Ash, anything more? No, I think that was a great uh, hour almost. Uh, definitely appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on. Awesome, Scott. Certainly. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah I appreciate the opportunity. Truly, you guys are in my rotation, so uh, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. well, that's uh, that's great. Thank you once again, Bill. And uh, yeah, we will uh, keep in touch. We'll talk <clears throat> to you soon. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well, thank you very much, Bill, for uh, for coming on. We really appreciate that. Um, yeah, there are a lot of information um, Lots. from Bill. Yeah. Uh, he's doing an awesome, awesome job out there, um, pushing his pushing his uh, the six feet and kind of his vision and, and um, sure. awareness on resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, jump into some shoutouts, guys. Let's start. With, or <coughs> any any topic or conversation topics before we get into that. You know, just while while we were listening there. Um, he was really big on the jiu-jitsu. I know Scott does the same same thing. and um, Not to compare, but one thing that like I kind of liken it to for myself, so I'm not big in, into that, but what I am big into is the motorsports racing. Mm-hmm. So kind of that, that high-stress environment where you have to slow it down and like slow is fast. And like I kind of use that same stress, and that's how it translates over for myself and you know something that I feel there's as we watched our motors video there's uh, one of their videos is on motocross That's right. so lots of tie in with like the action sports the mm. motorsports racing things things like that that is very high high intensity um, things are, are happening quick having to make like kind of the, those sort of multiple millisecond adjustments while you're out either racing or you're riding or whatever it is, um, it really translates over for, for myself into the fire service. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the more I hear about um, the uh, jiu-jitsu side of it, definitely not getting punched in the face, but it, it is no, a... You don't really get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, choked out or your shoulder. You do it wrong yeah. if you get punched in the face. Yeah, I guess so, right? But uh, <laughs> it's just one extra thing that... You know, people can translate from one side to to the other. Um, definitely works for myself, mm-hmm. uh, and as well is that um, you know way of de-stressing. Yes. So when you have those those bad calls or you know whatever it is um, in the wintertime, I find myself the best way to unwind is I go out on my snowmobile. I get up up above the clouds. You get that sun that you're not really used to getting in the drab of winter mm-hmm. um and then just like the adrenaline the action and the da- dangerous of it um dangerousness of it um having to really be switched on uh to keep yourself and your riding partner safe um it's a way to unpack some of those stresses um and then again in the summertime getting out on track and um having those those sort of moments is uh, is a real good good way of unpacking some of that as well um Outside of all of the you know uh, programs and things that are that are available to us, so yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know what? Um, when we talk about building resilience and stuff, uh, and there's a physical component to it to a degree, mm-hmm. but it's also doing what you normally like to do and enjoy sure. for debriefing. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to just be that. Like that's, right. that's one thing that we cover when we um, talk to people about with our SISM groups is is um, get out and find time for whatever hobby that you do mm-hmm. right it doesn't necessarily have to be something physical yeah uh, whatever makes you happy and that's right you know, and doing it so 
Yeah. Let's jump into Modus. Ash. Yeah, Modus. Um, <clears throat> classic Snagger Tool shout out there, but they also have so, so much more. So they've got their Snagger Tool for hose handling. Uh, they got four century uh, gear. They got their heavy hitter, their standard wedge. Uh, they've got some soft soft entry stuff. They got the uh, uh, Lloyd tool. Uh, they got um, mass bags and other soft pouches, uh, pocket organizers as well, um, and much, much more. So <coughs> hop on, on their social medias, check out their products. If you like what you see there, use discount code DTFF5 for 5% off your next purchase. Awesome. Mm. Um, yeah, let's talk about Manscaped. Scott. Yeah. Manscaped. <laughs> we just shot an interesting video. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see how it works out. Um, we also yeah. have another interesting video that's been dropped recently. Yep. Yeah. yeah um, keep, keeping the wiener. Keeping the wiener shaved. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah where, that's on Instagram right now? Uh, it's on Instagram. I think it's live on YouTube. We're going up on YouTube. So, okay. so check it'll it out. be there and it's on TikTok. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Manscaped. We've uh, just started working with them. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's good product. Um, there's no really easy way to talk about it, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, basically you're shaving your balls. <laughs> Just um, it's good for us because of the, um, like I think Ashley, you were talking about last week yeah. with the carcinogens and yeah. Yeah. You know, keeping that area smooth and clean, clean. Um, mm-hmm. because hair does attract a lot of those things. And, for you know, sure it does. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's not just... Strictly that, it, they're a big pro, com, uh, or proponent of, of health, right? For yes, right. testicular cancer is yep. is a big killer in a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of awareness towards that. Yep. For sure. Uh, January is Firefighter Cancer Awareness Month. Yep. Uh, so that definitely ties in with uh, Manscaped's brand. Uh, re- you know, really, really happy to be uh, partnered with them. Um, I think mean, you know, we're all using the product. Uh, they got the uh, 4.0 lawnmower. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the uh, nose hair trimmer. Um, the weed whacker, the old weed whacker there. Um, amazing product. Um, you know, we the crop reviver. The crop crop reviver. <laughs> we we put the video up of uh, uh, shaving the wiener. It was actually my wife's video made it for us. Uh, we have a uh, wiener dog. Um, not to spoil the video if you haven't seen it, but uh, it, it's kind of a play on on like what it is, and you know, starts off with a big furry wiener, and next next thing you know, she's uh, got got the scissors out and um, and some other shavers, and there's a couple of nicks and and whatnot and blood, and then you know, m- you know moving towards the manscaped, which is um, you know, you definitely still need to be careful, but yeah, with but with the design, safer. but with the design of it, it is much much safer. Um, you know, it does an amazing job. I'm super happy with it. The wife's really happy with it. So, coupled with all of that, awesome product. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, DTFF twenty. Yeah. On Manscaped, it'll give you twenty percent off and and free shipping. Free shipping. Yeah. yeah. So definitely take advantage of that. Um, we we really want to get on the program with them. Uh, so if uh, if you've been thinking about it, uh, we do not endorse anything that we don't use and we don't like. That's so right. hop you know hop online, uh, pick up a kit, pick up uh, some product, whatever it is, and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, boxers, t-shirts, all the other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a nice, nice uh, travel package. Sure they do. Uh, you can get it with it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Manscaped, check out that for use our DTFF20 code. Yep. Beautiful. Much appreciated. Yeah. Um, stop the bleed. Ash. Stop the bleed. You, you know, <laughs> not to be tied in with Manscaped. Not to be tied in. Yep. Yeah. So stop, stop the bleed. Uh, three major uh, bleed 
Wow. <laughs> Three major <laughs> methods to control bleeding is going to be your direct pressure, your wound packing, and tourniquet application. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to use a tourniquet, use a good one. If you're going to pack a tourniquet, get it out of the plastic. You want that ready to rock. Yeah. Um, you know, again, get a good one. Uh, you don't want a wish tourniquet <laughs> because you will wish it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah and uh, stoptheweed.ca uh, or .org works. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dr. Dr. Nick, maybe, yeah. Dr. Nick. Dr. Nick, um, he, he did a great course online. Um, I actually have to contact him this week about it. Um, find out exactly where, where he's at with that. I know it was kind of a... Like a beta test, almost? Beta test, yeah. yeah. To see where what, what's going to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be some hands-on skills involved, so mm-hmm. that's what he was trying to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, it's a really great, it's a really great, um, online course with, you know, Dr. Nick, uh, mm-hmm. floating head down in the corner. Yeah. Talking yeah. To <laughs> um yeah it, it just it really touches on all the it's 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 a lot like i really like the what do they, they call it it's the, the shop talk stuff the shop talk yeah. it's it's taught by people who know who are right. who are currently active who are currently in the field mm-hmm. who, are, who are running calls all the time sure. so it's not just some dry thing that you know some person that and some university made and you know they haven't seen him <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they haven't seen, seen action. Yeah, yeah. haven't seen action in years, and yeah. they're like, oh, I think this is what we're still doing. Um, yeah, it's really great. Um, so awesome. RTAC, um, which is under the ATAC group. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you're going to find it. Yeah, that's right. A-T-A-C-C. Yeah. Uh, ATAC. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Tyler Olson. Yeah, Wicked Country Music on <clears> West Coast <throat> Canada. Um, yeah, they're out touring. They're going to be doing some touring this uh, spring up in the Okanagan. We can chat about that in a minute, but uh, yeah, uh, check them out anywhere that you stream music. Um, we're big, big supporters of them. Awesome. And then leading into that, us, the news, spring seminar. Absolutely. Yep. Spring seminar is back this year. Um, Firepalooza, as we're calling it. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Um, 20, over 20 sessions we hope to have. We've yep. got, actually, we, we ran a list the other day. We have a pretty good number secured already. Yeah, even just to where we're secured today, we're, we're creeping close to 20. I think 20 yeah. to 24 is kind of what we're trying to target. Uh, May uh, 5th, 6th, and 7th, mm-hmm. uh, registration goes live this coming week. So we're going to push that out on the podcast, basically anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and, I mean, anywhere, really. But uh, we're kind of aiming for that uh, Pacific North Northwest, mm-hmm. uh, BC, Alberta, um, getting down into Washington State. Um, but it is open to anybody and there is no certificate at the end. If you need one, I will print you something and sign <laughs> it, but it carries no weight. These are one hour sort of quick and dirty tip, live tips and tricks, live sessions. Uh, it's going to be live fire times many, uh, auto extrication, uh, some swift water. Uh, we're going to do uh, potential mass casualty events, um, tons, tons of stuff. Um, and it, it's not just training mass casualty. Training. Hopefully, yeah. our opening demo does not result in mass casualty. That's right. Yeah. Because <laughs> our opening demos get a little nuts. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, and it, it is a full weekend event. Uh, we do have a registration night, uh, and then all day Saturday uh, from opening ceremonies on until uh, dinner time is all ha- you know hands on. Uh, we do a banquet and then open it up to um, sort of a party in the park. Uh, so all firefighters are obviously welcome uh, for your charge. We open it up to um, the local community uh, and surrounding areas. And we turn, turn it into just basically a, a, a big old party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a, a nice slow start the next morning to live fire sessions as well. 
So watch that or watch uh, our, our socials for the registration. Uh, we definitely want to make make this one our biggest one yet. So And we appear to have Tanner secure. That's right. So uh, as we were mentioning, Tanner Olson Band, uh, they are going to be playing at the party in the park. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing too, if you're thinking of uh, attending and throwing the idea around here from further away, bring the whole family. This is Absolutely. this is the wine capital of Canada. Yeah. Uh, the spouses can go off and enjoy the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots to do for sure. We yeah. actually do offer a package. Uh, so a firefighter registers, and if they bring a spouse. Uh, or anybody that wants to attend uh, and they want to get uh, out on a wine tour, we do offer a package for an add-on where they pay a fee. And with that fee, they get access to the grounds. They get access to meals. So we'll offer a picnic on Saturday. Uh, They can come to the banquet and have the banquet food. Uh, They get access to the park uh, free of charge. Uh, Well, uh, you know, the uh, party. So awesome. It's a destination. Uh, I mean, we are... We are Napa Valley of Canada, so yeah. uh, big, big wine, wine industry here. Awesome uh, tour. <clears throat> so, yeah, some, something to think about. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Then you have us. So check us out on the the YouTube, the Facebooks, the Instagram, the TikTok, uh, Twitter. Um, yeah, just uh, any of the normal listening platforms. Like we said, the Spotify, iTunes, whatever listening platform you're on, you can yeah. find us. Um, Listen, you found us exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, please, uh, we really appreciate um, appreciate you guys reaching out, get, sending us a message. Um, we'll try and get back to you. We've got a really good team helping us now. Our spouses. Sure um, so yeah, we uh, we really appreciate. It. Give us a like, just subscribe, and a comment if you can. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Any more, Scott? Nope. Ash. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. As always, stay safe. Stay DTFF. Mm-hmm.